where were you when uh, when the event unfolded? Yeah, that's the question everybody asks, isn't it? Which is, uh, where were you? Do you remember where you were when you found out, you know, Kennedy got shot when you when the 9/11 hit? And this will be one of those moments uh, for the rest of my life and the rest of the lives of the people here in Las Vegas. You knew where you were the moment you found out. We've been watching something on TV from about nine to ten, and about a little after ten o'clock. I don't know what time it was. Maybe. 10 after 10 or thereabouts, I went ahead and um, turned on local news on TV, and there was chaos and pandemonium going on. We, I had no idea what was, going, what was happening. We watched it for three, four minutes, and I you know, pretty got the idea at that moment, moment that, um, that something bad was happening, that there was a shooting here. It was on the strip, and um, immediately got up and called my program director, and um, he had actually gone to bed already. I said, you've got to turn the TV on right now, and I'll, I'll get back to you. And I called my producer, and he was up, and uh, he and I agreed we had to come in. A program director called me back and, and said, let's all go in right now. And um, all three of us came in, and we're here. For, we brought, I broadcast um, from 11 o'clock Sunday night until 9 o'clock Monday morning straight. And then I took a few hours off to go and shower and stuff, and came back and did one to six again, and uh, was on yeah, that whole time as well. So when you're when you're on the air in the city where this event is happening, what's the coverage like? I mean, what are you, what are you trying to do? How are you getting the information? How are you getting it out to people? Well, you know that's a great question uh, because uh, our TV system went out, so I had no TV, which in a way was just as well. There was some misinformation, a little bit of hysteria going on, uh, you know, on the tube. So I did, um, I was on online the whole time, and I was taking calls from people. And the calls I was getting, they were giving us information that um, I wouldn't have been able to get any other way. Uh, one physician called at about 2.30, uh, 3 in the morning, thereabouts. Uh, he had been going back and forth between two hospitals. He called to let me know we've got to, uh, are, we're inundated in the operating rooms with, with people coming in. Because at that time, we had believed there were two dead and 20 wounded. But when I was talking to him, and as time went on, we found out more and more and more were wounded. Uh, it was up to 200, and then 300, uh, eventually over 500 wounded. Um, he said, we need blood badly. We're running out of blood. We need uh, O negative especially, but we need all forms of blood. And we had all of the places to go to for people to go ahead and donate blood. So people heard that on the air that night, uh, and they went ahead and and went down to the blood banks, lined up uh, around the block in most cases, and eventually they had to start taking reservations. There were, there were too many uh, reservations for people to come back the next day at certain times to give blood. Um, so, I mean, we had all of that happening. I got a call from one gal who was, um, who was a... Um, uh, she was crying. She was about it was about two two thirty in the morning. She was hysterical. She was crying, and she uh, uh, and she said she had just come from the shooting. She was there, and she and another person had picked up two people who were bleeding profusely. They wrapped some of their clothes around them, uh, put them in her car, and she said she had six people in her car to drive away from the shooting, and they were listening to the radio. Obviously, she called me to tell me this, and. She was somewhat hysterical when she called, very, very upset. And, um, I, you know, what, we were able to be at that moment, and we, again, we did this straight through, 
was to become the eyes and the ears of, um, of of all of Las Vegas, and the people who were calling in, on the other hand, were our eyes and ears as to what was happening. So we meshed with the with the entire community. I'm talking about not just Las Vegas, but the but the entire Clark County area, and uh, we were getting calls and people trying to locate other people. Uh, a, a huge network of information uh, for like ten straight hours. Are you getting calls at the beginning that are telling you, we think it's coming from here, we think it's coming from there, because it seemed like it, it took a little while for them to even figure out where it was coming from because it, it, was, it was so massive? Uh, you know, um, here's the deal. Um, you know, you're playing the game in school where you tell somebody something on one end, you go around a circle to see if it comes back to you, and if we'll see what they're what, 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 they say that you said when maybe different uh what happens is information uh unfortunately gets out people uh information isn't always correct um the shooting that occurred first of all lasted 11 minutes people wanted to know why it took 72 minutes it didn't the shooting lasted 11 minutes only um number one number two because of the way the situation is set up uh, if you've ever been to the Mandalay Bay and seen it, um, there and plus with all of the concert, uh, the, the concert, country concert information set up below, it, there was there was a lot of echoes going on. It was a rapid fire of of like a machine gun fire, but it was echoing, and people at that point weren't sure how many shooters were where or or anything at all, and uh, that that produced a lot of chaos. When you're in the in the uh, studio with your producer and the program director, take us inside there. What are you guys thinking and saying to each other about what's happening? Oh, uh, my program director is also a news director, and so uh, he kept bringing uh, he kept bringing things in, uh, uh, information where they go to to drop off for, for blood uh, donations, numbers to call, uh, numbers to call if you are looking to try to locate uh, a loved one or someone you know they're missing and you want to find them. We had numbers, and it, they kept feeding me information, feeding me information, feeding me information, and uh, we had complete. Uh, communication uh, be, between all three of us uh, the entire night. I mean, uh, and the next uh, morning the group came in and uh, we, you know, the same kind of communication occurred. They kept feeding me information. My program director and news director, Andy Vieira, kept feeding me coffee. And that was good. I needed that. Um, but uh, we we did have that communication going. We worked as an incredible team. And... Um, uh, and and it's 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 been amazing. The it, it, while it's been horrendous and very traumatic for the community, it also did show the way our community comes together. I worked in San Francisco, San Diego, Sacramento, major major markets, the radio markets, uh, and um, I've been in Santa Rosa. I worked there also during a lot of floods, and that that community came together very well. I've never in my life seen a community come together like the uh, Las Vegas Valley Park County community uh, when this happened. I mean, it was amazing. People dropped everything and just rushed to help everyone as much as they could. As a broadcaster, when somebody calls in and and, uh, they're so emotional about not being able to find somebody, how do you keep it together? That's a very good question. Um, It really is because... um, 
I, I would say there were a couple, three times during the night where I uh, I felt like I was going to lose it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, I have uh, children, and my, our grandchildren live here in the valley near us. And um, when people were calling and talking about loved ones they lost um, and, and people they couldn't find, you know, you project, you put yourself in that situation to a degree and um, and think, oh, my God, what could it have been like had, um, you know, had it been one of my kids or grandkids. It's just, you know, it's it, it's horrific. Uh, you have to compartmentalize and, 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 you know, keep yourself together long enough to be able to deal with it. Um, I mean, once I got off the air, you know, I, I had tears in my eyes. I, I'll be honest with you. How do you feel the community or the, you know, the local police and, and the, the politicians, how do you think they're all handling it and dealing with, the, you know, trying to get to the bottom of it as much as they can? You know, they're doing an absolutely incredibly great job. Uh, the uh, Sheriff Joe Lombardo and all of Metro, uh, Kevin McMahon, under sheriff, all of them, fantastic. They're doing an absolutely great job. Um, all of Metro is and all of the other police agencies and uh, first responders uh, who have been part of this are um, amazing. The politicians, believe it or not, uh, they've been part of the uh, uh, part of the press conferences. They have all come together. Uh, they've all been supportive. They've all been very um, uh, sympathetic with what's going on. To the credit of the politicians here, both Republican and Democrat and uh, liberal and conservative, uh, no one has tried to politicize this on a local level. Um, I got angry in the middle of the night when, right after the shooting occurred, a few hours later, I saw that Hillary Clinton had posted that we should not make this political, but let's go after the NRA. I, I, I was furious, and the people, a few people from Congress, immediately said, uh, "We've got this is the, the, the uh, you know, we have to get rid of guns, and this is gun control time to talk." And uh, I mean, trying to exploit this, people around the country trying to exploit it, not here. Uh, here, all of the the politicos on on both parties uh, have come together without, again, trying to uh, uh, put a political stamp on it. You're well-connected, Darren, having a long time. Are you hearing about any theories about why this guy lost it like this? Uh, you know, they uh, brought uh, his girlfriend back from the Philippines last night. She landed in L.A., and then they brought her into Las Vegas. I don't know the uh, – I don't. they're going to be interviewing her, of course. Um, nobody seems to know. Uh, I mean, he had amassed uh, a ton of, of guns, which some people say he shouldn't have been allowed to do, but that, again, goes back to that – the debate, why not? Some people said he doesn't, you know, people don't need that many guns. Who cares what I need? I, what if I want it? Um, the, the question is, why did he do what he did? Uh, and at this point, no one seems to know. I did find out last night I had the uh, uh, the DA on my show, our local district attorney, Steve Wilson, uh, who did uh, inform us for the first time anywhere that uh, they will be completing a com- uh, uh, doing a complete autopsy on this guy head to toe uh, to find out. I mean, could it have been, I mean, I, I'm just speculating, could it have been a tumor, uh, you know, in his brain that set him off? The answer is I have no idea. He had obviously been planning this. He planned it well. He had a, a body camera on him uh, to, to tape what was going on, uh, to video what was going on. He had uh, two cameras in, right outside of his door. Uh, in the uh, in, in the hallway of, of the uh, uh, of the 
thing at the Mandalay Bay to let him know when the, the SWAT squad was coming. Um, and he had written some note, they're now saying, which I don't know what that, that, what that indication was. He supposedly was a well-to-do, well-heeled guy, had money within the last couple of weeks. He played, I don't know, some slot machine or something, won like $40,000. Um, and he had, he had a couple, three homes. I understand he had two small airplanes. Uh, he had also lived in Florida for uh, quite some time where his brother still resides. And they haven't spoken in a long, long time. So, you know, nobody seems to know right now. We can speculate, but nobody has any idea exactly why he did what he did. And the question now becomes uh, twofold. They want to find out why, of course. And now we have to get down to um, addressing the issues about safety in Las Vegas and casinos and concerts in general. And I think that this last Sunday... And you'll mark my words on this one. I'll stand by this one. Uh, that was a game changer. That was an absolute game changer. All the other shootings that have occurred have been horrendous. Newtown, uh, the uh, the uh, nightclub in Florida. This was a game changer, and uh, this will change the way that uh, vi- uh, that that uh, venues are policed, and uh, guards and other people at venues. Uh, I'm talking about entertainment venues now. Uh, it's going to change the way people go into hotels that have high rises, which happen to be a lot of hotels in New York and, and near Las Vegas, L.A., around the world. Uh, and I think uh, people are going to find themselves having to have uh, baggage go through some kind of uh, X-ray machine, or you're going to see more and more uh, dogs, uh, dogs sniffing dogs uh, in uh, hotels and casinos. On, on a regular basis, I mean, on an ongoing basis. How is the community of Las Vegas doing, and how do you think you'll be covering this in the days and weeks ahead? You know, it's so fluid. It changes. Everything changes day to day. Uh, the president is here today, and he's meeting with uh, first responders as well as uh, some of the victims uh, and the victims' families. Um, so, I mean, we, we have changes going on every day. How's the community doing? The community is, uh, uh, they, yesterday, the people were, were numb. Uh, Monday, totally numb and shocked. Uh, yesterday, uh, numb and shocked, giving way to a little bit of anger. Uh, right now, it's still morning here. It's before noon, and um, I'll be on this afternoon taking calls. And I, I would imagine there's more anger and people wanting to know what's going on. Um, why he did it, and uh, the big debate that I've been talking about is now how do we provide for safety in casinos and hotels, and there's been a debate. Some people don't like the idea of the things I suggested. Uh, they they want to think that we should just keep it as it's always been before, happy-go-lucky, come and go, and everything like that. Well, that's foolish. I mean, you know, you, you either learn by your mistakes, and, and, and again, these were just one of the mill way that we lived our lives uh, or you are going to have it repeated again and we can't afford to have it repeated again. So I, I, I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Mark my words. You're going to see changes here in, in Vegas and you're going to see changes around the world as a result of this. I've talked to several people today who are going to be meeting with all the casino owners next week and they're going to be going through some huge security changes, uh, vital security changes and some will be noticeable to people 
some will not. But um, they've got to do this. There's 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 no two ways around it. And lastly, uh, Alan, how has this affected you and the people uh, that work at the radio station? There were a lot of radio station people at the concert because of the kind of event that it was, and um, we you know we spoke to some that were in the you know in the fray when the bullets started flying. So how has it affected you and the people in the station, and and how do you think it's it's going to affect how radio stations operate? I'm not sure it's going to change how radio stations operate. We. Uh, we will always do what we do. We're a, we're a talk radio station. We deal with issues as they happen uh, all the time. And this happens to be not only an issue that everyone's talking about, but an issue that we're living through. Uh, it's been um, it's been emotional. It's been traumatic. But um, the people who work here, uh, there are six stations here. They're professionals. I've been in media for about 36 years. This is my 26th year in talk radio. And uh, I'm in my 19th year of living here in Las Vegas, and uh, you know you 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 know you suck it up, you pull it together when you have to, and and you do it. You've got no choice. There was a uh, I'm going to give you an anecdote, whether it's relevant to you or not. But you know there's a story happening a long time ago when uh, Abbott and Costello uh, they did uh, movies, as you remember, right? And then they went to television. Uh, when they went to television, they moved to L.A. and they got nice uh, houses in, in, in Beverly Hills and Hollywood, and they would go on live each night. Uh, they would do a half-hour show, and at the end of the show, they would come out and do a little 30-second sh- epilogue shtick, and that was it. Uh, one day, um, uh, Lou Costello's son, young, young son, drowned in the pool, and they said, well, do you want to cancel the show tonight? He said, absolutely not. They went on the show that night, and they were humorous. They did a great show. At the end of the show, they didn't both come out for the epilogue, but Abbott did alone, and he let the audience know, and they, there was a big, oh, that people couldn't believe it, that Lou had lost his son that day, but he's a professional, and he knew he had to go on because people expected him to do it, and that's exactly where we're at, too. Uh, you know, it's horrendous. It's the biggest mass shooting in the history of the United States. And yet we had to go on and do what we did uh, because, quite frankly, that's what we do. Alan, thanks very much, man. I appreciate it a lot, and I'll be listening online this afternoon. I appreciate it much. Thank you very, very much. Take care, Alan. You too. Be well. Bye-bye.